passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Rated PG 13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. David Eichel here, HawkeyeInsider.com, part 24 7 Sports. I've been waiting on doing this one for at least two years. Uh, Connor McCaffrey, his career is finally done. Great player for Iowa, son of Iowa head coach Fran McCaffrey. Connor, uh, I've been here since 2018, so I've basically seen it all throughout your career. But, dude, like I said, I'm ecstatic that to have you on the podcast, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I'm I'm excited for this one, too. How uh, What have you been up to since, since the season ended? Did you take any time to just kind of, like, reset and think about everything, or have you just been kind of doing your own thing, going all over the place? Um, So I did take a, take a little bit of time, but I've been – I've been like doing some trips and stuff. Uh, last week, for example, I went down to final the final four. So we flew into Houston on Wednesday, uh, Thursday night. Austin Ash shot in the three point contest, so we had to check that. You know, we had to check that out, right? I I would have bet anything he was going to win. So it's good, you know, there aren't like live odds on that because I would have probably. <laughs> um, Friday drove to Dallas from Houston for the women's final four against South Carolina, which is about three and a half hours. Something yeah, I was like. going to say, it's about three, four hours, I think. Yeah, that's about what it was. Um, so we drove to Dallas for that. They won. So once they once they won on, on Friday, I just stayed in Dallas on Saturday. Um, went to the Phillies. My, the rest of my family went back to Houston again because they went to the men's games on Saturday, but I didn't, I didn't want to do that. So I stayed in, in, in uh, Dallas went to the Phillies game because they were playing the Rangers and you know I'm a diehard Phillies fan. Yeah. So they got destroyed. It was like 14 to 3. It was a joke. But I went to that game on Saturday. Sunday obviously went to the national championship for the girls. Monday morning I woke up, flew to Houston for the men's national championship. And then we were in Houston that day. Tuesday morning woke up, drove back to Dallas because we went to the Mavericks versus <laughs> Kings uh, game on Wednesday night. We saw we saw Keegan, saw one of my other buddies, Kevin Herter, and uh, so yeah, I, I was kind of I was in Texas for like you know eight eight days I think, and kind of got we got everything. Like I got you know I, I got Dallas down. If you need any advice on Dallas, where to go, what to eat, <laughs> where everything's at, the arena, what's around the arena, I got it all. I mean, I'm pretty much locked in on Dallas. 
Are you are you pretty wiped now? Is it like the travel fatigue like starting to set in, or have you kind of gotten over that that hurdle just because of like you're kind of used to it almost yeah. at this point? <laughs> to be honest, I'm I'm I fell asleep yesterday watching the Masters for like an hour and a half <laughs> when I got back, and then we had this at eleven, and I woke up like right before. Like I, if you can kind of tell by <laughs> my voice, like I slept in the whole time. So that is that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> well i uh, i appreciate you uh you waking up but yeah dude it uh yeah it, it's been crazy just watching kind of the men's final four and the women's final four like all the other angel reese caitlin clark story side like stories aside this is probably the first time i've ever seen more people be excited about women's college basketball yeah. at least the final four than the men i mean it I don't know. I guess from your perspective, just how kind of crazy is it to watch the game kind of evolve? Like you're always around the game, but like, you know, perception of, of like women's college basketball, for example. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. I mean, there was definitely, especially among Iowa people, right? Like with, you know, with the the women being in it and you have, I would attribute it to, I mean, you're watching possibly the greatest women's player ever. Let's yeah. just be honest. Like that's, that's, that's a very good chance that that's what she ends up being. And so I think people are just like, I mean, we knew that, but I think the rest of the country, like the rest of the country is starting to realize that as well. Um, and that's like what you're seeing. I mean, the, the viewership, the, you know, the people that are, you know, tweeting about the games, the people that are watching the games, like the, you know, the NBA players, the actors, I mean, you, you go down the line, the politicians, it doesn't matter everybody's tuned in and they all want to watch her and it's i mean i i, I think it's cool like i've obviously like my mom played women's basketball like back in the day yep. and so i've grown up and like i love watching i mean i've i've been i think i went to like every game this year of theirs except maybe i think we played at the same time when they played iu we played purdue like at the same time so that was like yeah one that i missed other than that i caught pretty much every single one of their games uh, and I, I mean, I love watching them I, and I watch, I'll watch other games too. So I've kind of, I try to be like a, a supporter in that. And I think other people are just, are just catching up now, but you know, I've yeah. got, I get texts from friends like, Hey, you know, I, it, they don't, they're like, Hey, I, they preface it by saying like, I don't like women's basketball, but like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> like that kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> but then, uh, so, so it's been, I mean, that whole run was, was unreal, but you know, I, I thought the whole season was, was great. The way that they, yeah. were, you know, you go all the way back to early in the year, like the Iowa state game, like all, all those games, like, I mean, those obviously they're finding their way and stuff, had a couple of tough losses early as everybody does. And then, you know, as every great team does, they figure it out and put it together and are playing their absolute best by the end of the season, which is what, which is what they were clearly. Yeah. No, no doubt. And I think Monica really helped her WNBA stock. I mean, I was talking to some people like I think she'll have a shot and people got to realize there's so many great women's players that will not sniff the league because of how just small the league is. Like if you're not a first round pick, it's really, really tough to make a WNBA team. And that's why like the eligibility rules, for example, are the way they are. Mm-hmm. Now, look, Caitlin and Paige Beckers and all that, they could leave and they'd be fine. But there's a very, very, very select few. And ultimately, I think, like, just having the women stay in the game longer, that's going to help push the sport uh, sport forward because they have their own brand in college as opposed to men who's, like, if you're ready to go to the league, you're ready to go to the league. Like, a one and done, two and done. 
you have to be there for three or four years and five, maybe in Caitlin's case, which is if if that happens, she's breaking every record. That's going to forever sit. Like there's no chance anybody will ever come through and break it. Yeah. I think, I think she'll break most of, if not all the records by next year. Like, and then you talk about if she came back for the fifth, like, I think she'll do it. The, you know, like if she did it with in the fifth year, it would kind of be like an asterisk by it just because all those other people didn't get to play it. But I think she's going to do it in four and just be yeah. like, and then, and then really destroy the, the record, the record book after that, if she came back for the fifth, but you're right. Like yeah. the WNBA needs expansion and because there's, there, there's so many good players and the game is growing. Like it didn't, it didn't used to be like that. I mean, you know, people always, I mean, I would, I would still watch and go to games and whatever, but the the parity in it was not good. Let's just be honest. Yeah, just absolutely. The same teams you were seeing Notre Dame versus UConn. You were like that was what it was going to be, and it, there just weren't that many good players because the game hadn't grown to that level. But like this year, you're seeing eight seeds upset one seeds. Like you're, the the game has just hit a level now where. It, it really, I mean, honestly, it just hasn't been, and that, and that's due yeah. to people like people like Caitlin, people like uh, you know whoever else you want to you want to talk about. Um, and it's just been it's been fun to fun to watch. And I think so. What they got to do is expand, and and they're going to right. Like that's what they're working yeah. on. That's their next that's their next project. The commissioner's already talking about it. They're looking for sites and raising money, and you know, g- getting ownership groups together. And that's I think that's what. That's what will happen because there's there are so many good players like Monica deserves yeah. playing the WNBA like she's a dominant post and but she might get she might get screwed just because of the lack of you know the lack of room sure. on teams yeah you know l- last point on this I want to dive into more of your personal story too but like I, I attribute Big Ten women's basketball as far as the jump it's made over the past five years to Megan Gustafson. For getting the national player of the year. I mean, because no Big Ten player had ever won it before, which is wild to think about. But when she won the national player of the year, I wrote a column that was like she broke the glass ceiling for like Big Ten women's college basketball. And then you look at what the Big Ten's become now. It's the best conference in America, in my opinion. They have three of the top six teams in the country. Ohio State came on strong at the end, too. I mean, it's been really, really fun to watch. And I've said from the WNBA perspective, here's what they need to do. They need to have Caitlin stay for two years. They need to launch a WNBA franchise in Des Moines and then put Caitlin on the Des Moines team. They will sell out every single game. Yeah. I mean, it's that simple. You're right. That's that's what should happen. It's probably not going to happen. But if it did, you're right. You're 100% right. (laughs) You're right about Megan, too. I mean, she, the way that she, she was unreal. Like I got to, I got to watch her. Like I was here with Megan, and she would just. I mean, it was automatic bucket. Like every time, she reminded me of Lu- like Luca and she kind of, yeah. you know, a little bit hand in hand. Um, the way that they were such dominant posts at the same time was that was fun to watch. Yeah. So Connor, uh, I want to dive into more of your personal story uh, a little bit before we go back way too far. Take me back to last last summer because. Obviously, we've kind of talked a little bit on the record about this, but I was a little bit surprised to hear you did not think you were going to come back for for another year, right? You you said you I think you were ninety percent sure you were you were done after the senior day. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess what really, I guess what really maybe pushed you to to return for that final season was it just simply like 
getting a chance to step back? Was it talking with your dad and just kind of evaluating everything or kind of what was it? Yeah, honestly. So I, I did not think I was going to come back. I was, it's like, for me, like, I mean, there's a lot of stress. Like there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that, you know, I didn't really, I didn't want to deal with again. There's a lot of things that come with playing in a season. Like I, I wasn't feeling good physically after last year, during last year, there was a lot of stuff that was bothering me, which I think was a result of my hip surgery. Like my other parts of my body just took hits and I didn't prepare for it the way that, you know, I thought it would all happen. Um, And so, yeah, I just was not, I wasn't feeling it. I didn't, I didn't want to, there was, I mean, I kind of got convinced after the fact by like my dad and my brother and like my other friends and teammates because they were all kind of like, well, why wouldn't you? Like, what do you mean? Like, well, you you should come back like all this. And, and they kind of were going at it in that regard. And so once I talked to them and sat down with them and kind of told them like how I was feeling, the effects of this season, like how it, how it kind of takes a toll on everybody, which it does, especially being in the position that like I am, my brother's in you know, playing for our dad, the, the extra stuff yeah. we got to deal with. Um, it just, you know, I, I didn't really want to do that again, but ultimately it just, you know, playing for my dad, being here, being, you know, being able to stay in college one more year, uh, being on a good team, making the NCAA tournament. You know, these are all my, these are all my brothers here. Like, you know, go down the line. I got great relationships with everybody. So, you know, staying with them one more year, making the tournament, that all of that kind of went into me coming back and it just outweighed, you know, not coming back. I'm trying to think, did you go through three senior days or only two? I only did two because I was okay. I was coming back after like Lucas senior day. That was because I registered in my first year. So this yep. year was technically my COVID year, but I was always going to come back the, the year after Luca left. Yeah. Okay. That, that's what I was thinking. I just couldn't remember because of how weird kind of everything was, if you had went through it, because I'm pretty sure that would have been the first time ever anyone's been through three. Se- well, Jordan. Ash. Oh yeah. Ash did do that. I forgot they still had yeah. that owner. No, Jack Nunji never went through a senior day here. I'm trying. Yeah, he didn't. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, no, like I said, I was a little bit surprised because maybe, maybe it was just me being, ignorant i thought it was a lock that you were gonna come back for one more year right right after the season i would have i would have been a little bit surprised uh but kind of speaking on that too i mean how much easier was it for you to to come back in terms of you weren't trying to balance two sports again because i think people from the outside think it's a little bit difficult i don't think people realize how tough it is actually to play two sports in college just because of all the all, like out games and all the practices you have to kind of balance with school. And I mean, you, your GPA, so I think you've always been like academic all conference or, or whatever. I mean, how difficult was it to balance those two sports and then how much, I want to say easier was it when you decided to focus on basketball only, but uh, kind of take me through that a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's just the time commitment, honestly. Like it's just the, the, the amount of time you have like to dedicate to, like baseball or then basketball and then yourself it's it can be a lot because the falls in baseball are where like you really hit it hard for practice especially me the falls were really important for me because i didn't have the build-up and like the winter and stuff that the rest of the team had so yeah. in the fall i would be 
I'd be in, you know, I'd be every day at, at baseball and we'd be going for like three, four hours. And then, it, I mean, the energy that that took, like, I'm not, I'm not practicing the basketball in the same way, like when I'm doing the, the baseball stuff. So you show up in school, like, I think the first day of school, we have our, our meeting for baseball and that's the first, so that's the first day of school. And then the practices and workouts start like the next week. So then you're going from there all the way up until basketball practice usually starts like in October, I think, like October 1st is the yeah. day, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I would be going with baseball. I'd usually miss about two weeks of basketball practice. But then like if we had an off day for baseball, like Saturdays or Mondays would sometimes be our off days, I would go and practice basketball in those days. So I'm looking at maybe around to October 15, 16, start day yeah. for basketball and i do the whole basketball season obviously finished up with basketball in march whatever time and i would just join up with baseball right away and then baseball is going till the summer and then obviously you got to play summer ball if you play baseball like you have to play at least something just to stay you know stay ready and whatever Back so mid, yeah you play you play summer ball all the way until august and so august like first the second would come around and that would be like my free, I would get like three weeks. So it was like August 1st, August 2nd to like, what is school start? August 21st, 22nd, something like that. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chilling by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. That would be like my free time. So that was pretty much <laughs> it. Like I had about three weeks a year. Uh, and that was for like, I, I did that for three years, two years. Because the 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 last year I had my surgeries. So that kind of cut off yep. baseball, obviously. And I had more time to myself. But yeah i mean again that's why i had respect for brody trying to do football and yeah. baseball especially for how different those are but it, it's interesting i think iowa fans and obviously like i talked to a couple of football players yesterday they said look man dude throwing 104 miles an hour on the play it goes like i can give you eight digit reasons why he stepped away from football to focus only on baseball exactly that's exactly. gonna be a top 10 pick exactly. i think oh for sure i mean if he's not it would be insane yeah yeah, that's uh, he's been just it's been crazy to watch. Good dude, too. Really, really good oh, kid. I think people need to realize that. Yeah, uh, sure. but no, Connor, like, I'm always intrigued about this type of aspect because I've, I've made jokes with you on the record. Like, I don't think you've been honest about all the injuries you've had at Iowa. I think we only know like the major, major ones <laughs> that you've, that you've had. Uh, I guess just for from you. How was it psychologically when you were trying to overcome like the hip surgeries and and to play through all that pain? I mean, was that was that tough on you mentally? And if it was, how'd you kind of, I guess, get through it? Because again, I I can't imagine anybody really knows how much you and I'll even throw Jordan in there too, because Jordan Bohannon always played off a lot of big injuries. I feel like. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot because you you don't realize at the time like when so i get my hip surgeries right and, and everything went great they're like my hips you know everything was a lot better 
I was able this year, like able to move my feet better. Like I could get in better stances. I could slide, I could get low, like all the stuff that I wasn't really able to do as well. I could still do it to some extent, but this year was the best I felt since like my sophomore year, which was yeah. probably my other like best year statistically, at least playing wise. Um, but you don't realize like the effect that a surgery like that has on the rest of your body too, which is probably the biggest hit. And there's not like any injury you can point to because like everybody's hurt throughout the season, right? Like at some point, like everybody's got something. It's not just, it's not just me. It's not just Jordan. Everybody's dealing with something, but like for me, you know, it was like, I, I didn't do anything for so long because of my hips because I was rehabbing yeah. all those. So then, your back, like my back was the one thing that took a hit. So like that, yeah, mm -hmm. that gets really weak. And then you try to come back and like my, your core and your back is affected because your hips and your, you know, your butt and your, like your hamstrings and ham and your quads are too tight and locked up from not doing anything. And then it, and then you can't move like your, your back. And so I was missing yeah. because of that. And those are the types of things that you kind of like take, you know, that take hits like dudes get, you know, tendonitis in their knees from they take off, you know, a while from walking and they're, you know, they get weaker, that kind of stuff. And then all, the rest of that, maybe your feet feel affected, like all that kind of stuff happens when you have major surgery. And so that was, that was something that I had to deal with, something that J-Ball had to deal with. Like he was, he was telling me he had some back stuff too, that he just never said anything. So he actually he switched his bed out and said like, dude, you need like a harder bed. And that's eventually what I did. Like I, I switched, got a new mattress, like yeah. drove, went with uh, coach Maxwell, picked it up in his pickup truck, drove my mattress out, sw swapped it out and uh, <laughs> did that about mid season. And it actually, it actually helped. So we have J-Bo to thank for that one. Yeah. That's, that's interesting though. I mean, I've been lucky. I've never had to have surgery or do anything like that. But again, like I remember, I think about you just playing through all that. I remember Jordan playing through, I think it was plantar fasciitis after Christian. Yeah. I think it was a Christian Williams transferred out like in early October, like maybe a month before the season. So, that, and then I think you were hurt that year too, right? Is that your, you redshirted? I redshirted that year. I was like hurt and sick. Like there was like a couple of different things that happened, but that I, yeah. but ultimately I just redshirted that year. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like all on Jabo to play the point. The dude played through plantar fasciitis, which is I don't even want to begin to imagine how bad that was. Uh, so I want to dive into a little bit more of the, the team aspect in your dad. I mean, obviously, like it's it's got to be different being the son of a head coach. I mean, I guess for people who are not in your position, I want to say just how different is it when your dad's the head coach of, of a major university? Is it just do you feel like there's more of a spotlight on? on you and like your entire family or how is that kind of just, I guess, as you were growing up, how that sort of just revolutionized with you or helped shape kind of the way you operate, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's, there's definitely an added pressure, uh, an added, you know, bit of notoriety that kind of comes with it, but you, you learn to, you learn to grow with it. You adapt and you just kind of, I mean, walking around town, things like that, you just gotta be a little bit more careful. Gotta be on your piece of cues. Uh, like playing high school games, like you know, like the like the fans, the student sections, like they're there to watch you as much as they are their own team. Like they want to be like, you know, it's like a thing, like oh, like Coach McCaffrey, Connor McCaffrey's here, like whatever. And but you just kind of get used to that. And so, like for me, like when we first came to Iowa, I don't, I think I like maybe underestimated a little bit till like 
maybe seventh, eighth grade. Probably took me a couple years, but then I really kind of saw the effect because I saw how much the state like really kind of rallied around. I mean, they were they were so bad at basketball for for a little bit, and then you know yeah. we get here, and obviously a bit of a a bit of a pickup since you know since those days, um, and you just kind of you know I think the the fans really appreciate that, and they wanna they wanna support you, but also there's pressure and there's some hate that can come with that, and so that's kind of what I just had to learn to deal with, and it and it did affect me at different times, like. My high school career, like maybe once or twice, like I was like really down about it and struggled with it. And then my college career, probably another one or two times that kind of affected me. And, uh, you know, we struggle with it a little bit, but you just kind of learn and you grow and you you get through it. And that's ultimately kind of what happened. But it, I'm not, I'll be lying if I said it didn't, it doesn't take a, a little bit of an effect on you. Um, it was interesting. I was actually at the Final Four. I was with Patrick and Buddy Beheim showed up because they were saying his dad was staying at the same hotel, and so we were there. Yeah. We were talking. Our mom and uh, his mom are our friends, and we were talking. And it was, he was like, "Oh, so you're done now?" Da da da. I was like, "Yeah, you know, for you, like, what's it like now, like playing for somebody other than your dad?" And he was like, "Bro, like, you have no idea. Like, it feels like there's no pressure." And I was like, yeah, I mean, 100. I was like, you probably can make. You probably have every time you shoot the ball, feels like it's going. And he was like, dude, like, you know, you're not worried about like growing up. Everything we did was like depending on our our dad's wins and losses. And now, like, it's just you. You're free. Like, you're playing. Like, just back to your high school days. Like, you can just shoot the ball. I mean, obviously, you still care about winning and losing, but it's just a different. It's different when you grow up like with the dad as a coach. Like you you equate happiness to winning because that is ultimately like your livelihood. If we're being honest, like if my dad was losing at Iowa, we wouldn't be here. Like we'd be somewhere else sure. and maybe in another job, maybe in another profession. It's just the way, it's just the way this business works. And so like talking with buddy and talking with Patrick about it, it was like interesting talking to another like coach's kid, like, yo, like now that you're done playing, you can kind of see, like <laughs> you see how easy it is, you know, to just play and be free and be confident. And you're not worried about, Oh, if I shoot this shot with two minutes to go in a tie game, like this could affect, you know, whether or not we win or lose, like thinking about my dad. And that's, and that's something that ultimately you can't think about, but I'd be yeah. lying if I said that didn't creep in at different points in my career. And it was something I had to overcome, which eventually I did obviously, but it, it did. It does affect. It has an effect on you. That's interesting. So it's like a mixed bag, though. Obviously, like you wouldn't trade it because you got so much time with your dad. I mean, exactly. you know, that's got to be the biggest blessing of it all. And obviously, you got to play with Patrick, which I'm sure you know. You coming back another year, that was probably a big deal as well. As you get one more year of you guys playing together. Um, I guess for 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 your younger brother Jack, I mean, is he kind of learned and does he kind of understand? the position he's in from that aspect yet? Or do you think that's just something that's going to come maybe within the next year or two? I mean, he's been able to watch you guys play under, under Fran, but I'm curious just because of, of his age, if he really understands that fully or if he's still kind of on the outside looking in. I'm, I'm hoping he can get to understand that. I, I wouldn't say he does yet necessarily. Um, just because there's, there's, there's a difference from playing in high school to playing in college. Cause even though, yeah you're under that spotlight of your dad 
you're still playing for another coach and coach Bergman who's great and he's great with dealing with it and he never like he he always like helped us out with it um a lot but like Jack I think that he's he's seen it he's unfortunately seen the worst of it and I don't know you know maybe that affects him in a way like he doesn't want to go to Iowa maybe he does want to go to Iowa prove people wrong I, I don't know well I'm gonna let him make that decision for himself but I definitely think that you know I mean Jack now he's I think he's the highest rated out of both my brother and I and he's I mean six nine he can shoot he blocks shots he can pass still only a sophomore and I mean he he averaged, you know, good numbers this year and a good a good high school year. Um so if, you know, people want him to come to Iowa, they better they better be careful how they how they keep talking. You might have another yeah. Caden Proctor situation. He sees people dog on the football team all year long and then he's like, you know what? This ain't for me and he heads somewhere else. <laughs> it's been yeah, that that whole saga was interesting on a variety of levels. I mean it it I mean, you, you know how all this works, but that that's a good example. And I mean, I'm interested to see how many coaches are even going to try to, you know, go after Jack, because I do think that your brother, for example, and you, you guys, I mean, you commit very early, though. I mean, you commit what as a freshman? Yeah, pretty much as a freshman. And Patrick was early, too. Patrick was early, but Patrick told me during one of his first, I think it was one of when he signed to Iowa, which by the way, I still can't believe you talk about being treated differently. I think it was me and like prep hoops, Iowa were the only two media members that showed up to Patrick signing. And I'm like, this is still a top 100 recruit from the state of Iowa. If his last name's different, every media outlet's going to cover it. Right. Respectfully. I mean, granted, I think it was only like my third month on the job. I think when Patrick signed, maybe it was Mm -hmm. a year in, I'm trying to remember. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that's interesting. But I do remember Patrick told me he got like one letter from Arizona, but nobody else really sent him anything because they just assumed that he was going to go play for for your dad. Yeah. So I'm interested if Jack's going to, I want to say be cursed, but if that's going to kind of happen too, if anybody's even going to try to pursue him. Yeah, that was kind of, I think that's something that like if Jack does want to play for somewhere else, like if he wants to go somewhere else, he'd have to get his get the word out. Like, hey, I'm not going to play for my dad. Like, because I mean, he's going to get recruited if that's the case. Like, yeah, he would need his AAU coach to spread the word. My dad could could call around and say, "Hey, you know, he's not going to play for me." Like, if if you're interested, you know, take a look at him, that kind of thing. And then once once other schools see that he's taken he's taking offers, he's taking visits. I think that's when everybody else would jump in and, and at least get at least get something. Um, yeah. So and. and but you're right, like 100%. If he if he didn't do that, it would be tough for him because everybody would just assume, like, oh, Connor and Patrick already did, so Jack's probably going to do the same. I have a hard time seeing your dad call a Big Ten coach and say, hey, do you want to recruit my son? Probably not Big Ten. <laughs> it probably needs to be outside of Big Ten, if I have to guess. It's going to be outside so- of Big Ten. So I've always wanted to ask you this, and I, I there's a reason why I didn't ask it when you were at Iowa because I didn't think it made sense at the time. But now that you're done, what's the biggest misconception about your dad? Probably just like that he yells all the time, like stuff like that. Because that's it's just I mean, you guys even probably know that at this point, like seeing him yeah. like in media and press conference, whatever. Like you guys meet with him once a week. You see him at practice and whatever. Like he really doesn't. I mean. I think even on the in the Big Ten now, people like he's been around enough to know like, you know, it's not really like that. But 
like nationally maybe or you know i i don't know it's probably it's probably that like just him yelling because it's he really i mean it's pretty rare like that he have a blow up like that and for the most part i mean if he does like he's either trying to get us started like start a fire get us going or he's good after a ref because he's pissed he's trying to he's trying to get a t so that we buy a couple calls because i mean that's just that's just the way it is if you get a t you're gonna get the next three to four calls like we we're playing somebody this year i think it was northwestern yeah it was northwestern at home he went he got a t next possession i'm like yo throw me the ball in the post i'm going to the basket they're gonna call a foul yeah sure enough i go in post up turn barely a foul foul shoot two shots make them next play down yo throw the thing into crit and one like it's yeah like it's stupid and it shouldn't be like that but it's just the way it is so is it that kind of stuff is easy and that's and he knows that too i was gonna say i very very rarely have seen your dad go after a player like chew him out or yell in his face i think the only time i've i've always said the only time i've seen fran yell is one at the refs to show two things one well, it's Big Ten officiating. Okay, let's just be real. We'll get into that for in a second. <laughs> Two, I need to do the math, but I'm 90% sure every time he got a tee this year, you guys went on a run right after. Like, it is complete yeah. strategy, and that's the one thing that drives me nuts about national media is they'll sit there and they'll clown and they'll say certain things. And I said, look at the result of what happened after he got the tee. Yeah. They went on a run. And I'll even go down. The, your dad's staring down Kelly Pfeiffer. Okay. Yeah. Minute and a half, what minute and a half left. Look what happened. You guys score like 24 points in a minute and a half. So head to overtime. And by the way, I know you, you have your own opinion on sports betting, but the fact that the opening line was Michigan State to be at plus five and a half and you guys won by six. I I'm I pretty sure it. you yeah, I'm pretty sure you got some people. <laughs> like. We watch bad beats. We watch bad beats, and they were like, This is an all-time. This may be worst ever. And like all the Barstool got like Big Cat and then they were like, you know, they were like, wow, this is this is the worst all time. Enrico. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh no, I mean that that's kind of my thing too, is like I, I don't I remember early on in your dad's coaching career, I think specifically it was that Michigan State game. I think they were down by like 30, 35, like early in the second half. And that was when your dad picked up the chair twice. And mm-hmm. slammed it. I don't know if you remember that. I'm like, that's the one time like I can remember where, again, he wasn't even yelling at the like the a certain player. He was just trying to fire like the team up. And and yeah. then you look at like other coaches. I mean, I'll throw in Kim Mulkey. I said Kim Mulkey led LSU in minutes in the national championship. She was on the three point line. Dude. She was like, on the court, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. <laughs> she yeah. took. She was guarding Gabby. I think a couple possessions because like it took her out of offensive sets. One of but them like, said. I, one of them said they wanted to throw the ball <laughs> to the corner, and she was in the way. Like they they wanted to like they were on the wing, and they wanted to throw the ball to the corner, but they were worried they're going to hit her. I'm like, hit her then, because then it's a T. Hit her, like yeah. you got to like hit her in the face. Make it make it your money's worth. Because if then it's a T on her automatic, not even a warning, automatic T. If she's on the court, because or if she's out of bounds, then it's your ball anyway. Or yeah. no, it wouldn't actually be your ball. But she if she's on the court, drill her. It's been nuts too, like just the reaction of that. And and I said this, like I thought the officiating was horrible, but 
one LSU hit a barrage of threes in the first. Okay, that's just the first half. That's just the reality of it. But two is after the game, I talked to Lisa, and Lisa just said, I felt like I couldn't even have a conversation with the ref because they weren't listening. And you have Kim Mulkey who's screaming at all three officials, like swatting at them on the court. And I'm like, you can't have that in a national championship. It's just that's a deeper problem. Like coaches need to feel like they can communicate with the officiating. So, again, now that you're out, I, and I, for as many issues as the men's game has, the women's game's ten times worse. Oh, in, in way my worse. Opinion. It's not even close. Yeah, you're right. But how do we? How do we? Is uh, Big Ten? How does college basketball? How do you fix officiating? I mean, what are some steps just to try to make it as consistent as possible? And I guess what's what's your? I guess I want to say gut feel about what's your overall opinion of like officiating in college right now? Oh, I mean, you need. Okay, my overall opinion on officiating is, is it's very, very hard because the game has gotten yeah. so good and so physical. And it's especially hard when, like, you have veteran guys now, like, that are literally, like, everything they're trying to do is full officials. And I'm, I'm talking in the men's game here. I'm strictly talking men's game. Sure. Um, I truly think there are, like, a lot of good men's officials. There are some that are horrible and don't deserve to be refing like, as high as they are. Like nice, nice guys just can't get it right. Like out of bounds, point the wrong way, jump ball when it's a foul, like block charge aside. Cause that's the hardest one. But like yep. there are other things that you just simply can't miss and guys do, but that is where I think that's more your question is how do we, how do we help those guys and how do we fix that? And I would say you we, like, there's no reason we shouldn't have challenges. Every other sport, at this point, has a challenge. NFL has challenges. MLB has challenge. Uh, college football has challenges, um, like on spot of the ball, whatever. Like a freaking, you know, to, whether it's a touchdown or not. All those things. Even college baseball has challenges at this point. Yeah. Call a timeout. Say no, that was not. You, you got that one blatantly wrong. Like for example, we're playing Purdue. We are down. We, we're making our run on the road this year. We, you know, we're down 18, 16, 18, 20, like most of the second half. They were on fire, whatever. We're making a run. We cut it to six. Okay. I'm taking the ball. They, it's our ball out underneath. I try to, th- Philip has a open, he, he cuts openly because Edie was just standing there not looking. Philip cuts openly to the basket. I inbound the ball. Kale first kicks the ball like he is off his leg. Oh, it takes this. a weird direction, spins like crazy, goes all the way out of bounds, and they call it their ball. I'm staying there. I'm like, yo, like, what are you looking? Like, you can't miss that. It's <laughs> our ball. He just kicked the ball. Like, what do you mean? It's our ball. And he's like, nope, he didn't kick it. I'm like, yes, he did. I'm not just going to throw the ball out of bounds. I'm like, <laughs> what are you looking at? And then, of course, you have Courtney Green on the side. He's like, I didn't see it. Yeah, no shit. Like, no shit. And so I'm like, it's like, dude, like, you can't. So so maybe they didn't. Okay, whatever. They they missed that one. Challenge. Like, we should have a challenge. Then it, sa- it saves them. It saves us. It keeps us. Because, of course, Purdue goes down and scores, right? And then we come down. I think we, we might have scored, missed. But, like, that's a big – we have a baseline out of bounds. And Phillips cut to the basket for a, for a layup or a dunk to cut it to four with, like, yeah. five, with five to go. Like, every play in these games, and I think that's another thing. Like, you're seeing there's so many good players now and so many good teams. Like, we were talking about the parity in women's basketball earlier. The parity in men's basketball is is getting crazy. Like, it's like, oh, like, I can't believe Fairleigh Dickinson beat Purdue. Like, 
yeah, you're right. But like, also, it's not how it used to be. Like the six teams yeah. aren't what they used to be. They're just not. I watched Northern Kentucky play Houston in in Burns. Like, I mean, like they're, they're nice. No, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, there are a lot of good players. Like a lot of good players. It's not how it used to be. The same players always going to the same school. Like, you know, the days of Kentucky having ten deep of a freaking platoon system of all NBA guys is over. Like, that's done. Yep. Like those player people are realizing like you can go anywhere and the dude the NBA will find you. Like it doesn't matter. And so like it's like if we played you know, if you played the the NCAA tournament, if you played March Madness a million times, you're gonna have a million different Final Fours. Let's just be honest. Like it's gonna be completely different every time. And so that like you do talk about that. My my point is there are so many good players, so many good teams, so many good coaches, every call matters so much like the, if you like the the goaltending call in our game against Auburn that they didn't that they missed like that's a big call right like we yep. need okay timeout challenge like okay and, and it'll be quick that's clearly on the rim like that's clearly on the rim wipe the basket now it's a six-point game instead of an eight-point game and we take the ball and we come down and play offense then maybe we cut we cut to three four whatever like all of these things matter and so I think instituting challenges, every other sport already has them. It would be really easy. We already have all the camera angles. All we we have the refs. We got we got the monitor at the table. I, I really don't think it would be hard. Like one a half, two a game, one a half, something like that. It yeah. Would so much pressure off the refs to make every call right because they can't, it's, and it's not their like everybody knows refs aren't perfect, players aren't perfect, right? Like it's it's that's the the reality of the situation so give them that little leeway of having a challenge in your back pocket it gets the coach off your ass it gets the players off your ass on the on the easy ones the ones that are you know obvious that you accidentally miss throughout the course of the game yeah no i i like that i think that'd be really interesting uh i've always said there should be certain officials in certain positions that they're in that they have to be the ones to make the call like nothing drives me crazier than you got the back. You got the back official calling a foul at the rim when there's six guys clustered in the paint, and there's an official right there in front of them that's not calling it. Then you get a guy that's forty feet away calling it. I just, I, I think that's a bad system. I think it's a horrible look for the game. If it's a foul, it's a foul. But ninety percent of the time, when they call them, it's a bailout or it's an anticipation. And the other thing is, and again, I know it's a human factor. I, I'm interested in your take on this, and then I got some other stuff I want to hit on with you. Nothing drives me crazier than an official waiting to see if the ball misses and then calling the foul. Yeah. Is that – I'm again, you know more basketball than I do, so I'm curious just from your perspective, is that a legitimate strategy that is right more than not, or is that something where you just got to make the decision on the spot? Is it a foul or is it not? I would rather it be just like if it's foul, it's a foul, whether it goes in or not, and if it's not a foul and you don't call it, then you don't like I, I would rather it be like that, but it's definitely something like it happened. It happened this year at Michigan State for sure. Exactly. I was, guarding, I was guarding the player. I was guarding the ball. It wasn't a foul at all, and he shoots it, misses, <clears throat> and once the guy sees it misses, he calls like he calls a foul, and I'm just like, dude, this, like it's not a foul, um, and like but those, that's, those are the kinds of things. Like if it's a foul, just call it right away, like so we know, or if he. Like, cause then you call it late and it's even worse. Like, then you're just going to be more bad. Like if I'm, you know, if I'm the one guarding the ball and he, they call it and late, then it's like, dude, you didn't think it was a foul at first. So why are you calling it? Yeah. Now? 
<laughs> yeah. And again, like it is tough, but it does. It's gotten to the point where you're right. Like I didn't think about that. There are more guys trying to fake out officials than ever. The game's so skilled at this point. Like it, it it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, we we could do a whole pod about that. So I'm gonna let that die. Not, but I, I have a couple questions for you. I just asked people to chime in on some stuff, and a couple caught my eye. Number one, who's the better passer, you or Caitlin? <laughs> I think she's a better passer, but I'm right there. But I think it's different, right? Like it's different kinds of passing. Like she throws those rifle. I think we both have the full court passes down. Um, I mean, you like she she does it a little more than than I did, but you know she she has those you know the full court to Hannah or McKenna. They would kind of get running for, it and she'd lead them, throw those full court bounce passes. I, mine would my target would be. Chris or Keegan, right? Or Tony, I hit yeah. a couple times on the fly, like those kinds of things. Um, so I'd say we're we're pretty neck and neck there. She's got like the the rifle from her ear, like she kind of like just brings it up and rifles it into the post to Monica, like in a chest pass or overhead style. Whereas I was more of like a, a bounce pass guy to Luca. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, hey, she her assist numbers don't lie. Her her turnover numbers are higher than mine, but her assist numbers are, are a lot higher than mine too. Her her usage though is ridiculous. And that's the thing. People are like, oh, her turnovers are high. I'm like, yeah, if you're getting 28, 8, and 8, like you take the turnovers. Like her exactly. usage is the highest in America. Her usage, it's like it's like watching Trey Young, Luka Doncic, you know, James Harden back in Houston. Like that's basically what you're watching. Wow. I compare it to Russell Westbrook's MVP season. That too. Yeah. That's a great comparison. Except she shoots uh, it way better than Rock. Yeah, yeah, a little, bit. <laughs> a little bit. I'm a big Westbrook guy, massive. I'm like, yeah. Uh, who's in your dad coaching Iowa? Who's who's your all time starting five during your dad's tenure in Iowa? <sighs> okay, are are we talking like? Can I use guys I played with, or is this like growing up, like guys Both. I used to look up it's to? All the, it's all together. So you can you right. can be. It might be biased because you played with them, but I'm curious if who you throw in there. And if you don't throw in Matt Gaines, I'm going to tell him. Okay, Luca, Whitey, Dev, Keegan, and Dev at the one, um, Keegan at the three, <clears throat> Whitey at the four, Luca at the five, and then there's one more spot. And you're looking at you're looking at Wheezy, you're looking at Peter Jock, you're yeah. looking at you're looking at Matt. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I've been asked this before, and I'm pretty sure I said I'm pretty sure I said Pete. I think you did say Pete. I think you and Patrick's pod. I think you said Pete. Pete's also my guy, so like, I don't know. I really don't think you can go wrong. Obviously, you can't go wrong. But that's who I'll that's who I'll say for now is Pete. With a close uh, second of Wheezy. Uh, the only reason I'm not putting Wheezy is because Wheezy only played three years and Pete and like Pete played four and Pete also like Pete Wheezy was on better teams. Pete kind of carried that team his senior yeah. year. You know what I mean? And and like I mean you can go Wheezy too. Like it, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying Pete Pete's gonna be more mad at me. Than Wheezy would be if he heard this. <laughs> I think Pete also. I mean, maybe I think the how much he overcame too. 
because I don't know if people remember, like he had a, he was like the number one or number two recruit in the country for his class at one point. Yeah. But he overcame that devastating injury and for him to be able to bounce back like that and, and do all yeah. that, it really was pretty incredible. No, for uh, sure. So maybe, maybe I'll say, I'll say Wheezy and Pete. Tied. You do a six man. Okay. Well, one, of six man. Sure. one of them. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> They're all going to play starter minutes. So I don't know if you're, if you have, do you have plans in place right now for what you're going to do next year as far as, because I know you're going to go into coaching. I still don't, but I promise I'll let you know when I do. I, I have an idea of what I'm going to do, but it's not, I want to coach an NBA and that is kind of where I'm leaning. It's just what exactly that kind of pertains to. I'm curious. Why do you want to, why do you want to end up in the NBA rather than the college ranks? Um, I just want to try it out. Like I want to get away from my dad a little bit. Uh, the skill level, the, you know, the game is different. Um, I want to learn from another coach, from somebody else who's yeah. how to do it, like how they run a practice, how they run skill workouts, the way they talk to their guys, all the, all those kinds of things. Uh, yeah, I just want to, I want to try, I want to try something different. And then I have no problem. Like I, I would come back to the college game eventually if the, if the right spot opened up 100%. <laughs> who who uh who's the best passer you ever played against? Because everybody talks about how you were probably the best post and free passer in the history of the program. I would argue that as well, and that's where I would give you the edge over Caitlin. Because I think Caitlin's got those full court rifles, but I think your entry passes to set up Luca and whoever else is down there. Yeah, I mean it's it's probably one of the better at any level. But I'm curious who the best passer you played against is. It's a good question. Um like Cassius yeah, probably on that list. Maybe like, you know, like Xavier Simpson comes to mind. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Cassius, I I would say that Cassius would probably be, but Cassius would like he would just like chill out and like wait, and then when the game was like needed to be decided, he would just like take it over. Like we were playing them at their place, and they were ranked high, we, and we were ranked too. And we were smacking him. We were up 8 to 10, like 12 even in the first half. And then I think we were up 10 at half, like completely outplaying them. And Cash just comes out at half, and he just like, whap, whap, like four threes in a row. Like it was like crazy. He's just like, all right, like it's time for this game to get a little closer. Like I'm I'm annoyed. And like Cash just did stuff like that. Like So I, I would say, and, and like he would, you know, the way he would find like, Nick Ward, you know, Jaron Jackson, like these dudes, Miles Bridges. He had pretty good options the past two, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But he's probably going to be on that list for me. I was going to say, I mean, you had Luca, you had Keegan, you had Chris. Oh, it's not like no, you did. Yeah. It's not like I had Bum. It's not like I had Bum. <laughs> so yeah. I, I got this question from a lot of people. And, again, this is uh, – I'm just very curious. When you think about – the women's atmosphere that they have in Carver, you think about the men's, I got a lot of people that were asking me, what is 
what would you like to see Iowa as a program do to kind of take those next steps as far as like atmosphere, like kind of help elevate things? Now, again, now, now that you're out of the program, I know your dad's obviously still coaching. But I'm just curious yeah. where you think things need to happen. Is it moving the students to more, you know, down low? Is it just kind of curious what your perception on it is? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think the students should be should be closer to the court. Uh, there's There's no doubt about that. Everywhere we go. The students are pretty close to the court or at least have good seats. Um, and I do think like we have great student support in some games, but then some games we don't. And so I, I think there's like a balance of like, okay, well, they want to move the students close to the court, right? But then like if the students decide not to show up, then it looks bad. So maybe like I would I would challenge the students and say, okay, like, hey, next year, use it as a trial run. Like you want to be close to the court, like, you gotta have you gotta hit a, a a quota like every game X number of students have to come because this is where you're gonna be moved and these seats need to be filled. So maybe maybe there's a system like that like hey, you you put it on the students. The students say like oh we want better seats. Okay cool I want you to have better seats. I do. I think they should be closer. Creates a better environment in every step of the way. But you gotta earn it like by showing that you're gonna come. So like if we put you right behind the benches it's not all open. You know what I mean? Like the, the mm-hmm. seats aren't, aren't totally. Aren't and so <laughs> maybe, maybe that's something we could do. Set a, set a quota. Like, Hey, you need to hit X number of students every game or you're dead. You don't get like, it's another year. You're not going to, and then you can earn it. And so uh, who knows, maybe we try something like that, but I definitely think that's something that needs to happen. Um, I mean, I think Carver is, is, I don't know. Okay, I hate Carver, but that <laughs> that is that is not like I know like the the people who grew up like going to Carver and stuff like that is like you know that's more near and dear to them. Yeah. So I don't want to like you don't you got to respect the history that that happens in Carver, but it's just it's old. It's it's not really that unique. It's not like cool. All the other arenas we play in are at least cool. Like their their arenas, they they can have you can have concerts, like you could do like and Carver's just not like that. And it's it, a perfect wrestling venue. It's perfect for wrestling and it'd be like great for hockey, but like guess what? We don't play hockey and wrestling <laughs> doesn't have that many meets. Yeah. Like you're, you're the seats are far from the court. The you know, the the hot the handicap seating takes up like it, you're basically it's like an end zone in football. Like you're so far yeah. from it's not a basketball arena. It's just not. And it's, it, I mean, it does get loud and the crowd is great when, the, when they all show up, but it's also, it's, it's a bit, that's a lot of seats that you got to fill up. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's a big, that's a big arena. And it is, I think that, you know, there's so many other arenas we play at like Michigan state. Like it, it kind of, it just is not, it's not really in the same hemisphere as, as, Carver like it's just completely different every like everything is so much closer it's on top of you the students are right there it's ridiculously loud it's you know it's sold out every game it's a little smaller you go down the line like it's just there are other arenas that just they make it they make it better and yeah I don't think that Carver even has the capability to meet those even with all of the people there just because of where we sit the students the space between the baskets, like how much space the the away team has behind their bench, like 
on the road, we have to take our time. We we take our timeouts away from like we can't do it on the bench because yeah, in our ear. Like we got to back it up. But if they wanted to on the road, like at Carver, teams could do their timeouts on the bench. It's not you know the people are way far back and they wouldn't hear what they're saying. Yeah, and it would be fine. So like I don't know. Those are those are all things that <laughs> I think I I'm hoping <laughs> that Carver can have a couple of things done to make it a little a little cooler. I think it's just a little outdated at this point. Maybe it needs a couple renovations, um, you know. And I mean, there's there's other stuff that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call out for recruiting reasons. <laughs> but, well, I mean, you gotta realize too, like 95 percent of the <laughs> Iowa fans that listen to this are gonna agree with you 100. percent I mean, they've been yelling about that sort of thing too. So, I mean, I think when would when you, you say look that? at the rack, no, go so keep going. Sorry. No, I was going to say, like, when you look at the rack, like, it's 8,500 people, but it's still one of the most craziest road venues, I'd argue, in the country with what they've done with it. And I've been an advocate of, I think, if Iowa ended up building a style, like a rack-style arena, it would be five times more effective than what than what Carver is, at least. Yeah, it, you're 100% right. Because even when we get, like, we'll get a lot of people, but it, like, doesn't necessarily look full or like it doesn't look even the games this year like we didn't really have any bad crowds maybe like obviously like the first games of the year like the non-con like those were some bad those yeah were bad. but like for the most part like we had we had pretty good crowds it's just i don't know what it is man like you're, you're right about the rack stuff because the rack and all like the rack in itself is a shitty arena like it's not a nice arena it's not cool like it's not really unique but it's small and they pack it in, and they freak it. Like, you can't even take the ball out of bounds at the rack without having somebody behind you, like, tugging your shoe. Yeah. Like, that's the – like, you literally are barely touching, you know, like, you can barely get out of bounds all the way, like, your feet. Like, <laughs> let's, let's – It's, ho- it's hostile. Like it's hostile. I mean, they're on yeah. top of you. I mean, that's it why is. it's tough. And it's like in Carver, it's like, yeah, you're they're on top of you, but they're also a 1,000 feet behind you while being on top of you. Yeah. Exactly. They're, I mean, that's how, yeah. The fans are in no way affecting anything you're doing at on Car- at Carver. It, would you say then that, like, what you hear people don't really love Carver as much either? Yeah, 100%. Okay, yeah. I think, I think again, they love it as a wrestling facility. And, I mean, I it's, it's, it's so tough for me to compare men's and women's basketball because uh, people are – I think women's basketball crowds are more consistent in terms of how loud they are. But I don't think it's – like the peak moments are louder at women's games than men's games. Cause I've been in some games where you guys have come back. And I think specifically of that, that Northwestern game where Jordan hit like six threes in the final two and a half minutes. Yeah. That was capped off. And like, yeah, there are some people gone, but that was loud. So uh, dude, that dude. that's kind of what I'm, what I think of Carver though, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, the men's and women's crowds, first of all, it's a completely different fan base. It's completely I agree. Different. It's like at women's games, it's like, you know, a lot more like older people, and it's just different. And plus, by the way, like you're watching the goat. Like, let's throw like when she leaves. Yeah, I'd be pretty surprised if it stayed the same. Um, versus like, well, if they if they get Jenica Rain, that 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 a shot. But I mean, like you said, I mean, again, Caitlin's not just. I I would argue, if people want to argue Brianna Stewart and like championships and stuff, that's fine. But there is no player that's more skilled than Caitlin Clark in the history of women's college basketball. No, there's not. You're watching. You're watching the goat, and that's like why. I mean, it should be. They should sell out every game. Like you're watching. You're watching history. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. You're watching yep. this. It will never, this will never happen. Like you're watching the goat literally. So like, I mean, and, and it, like I've been to women's games and I've been to men, like I've been to men's games and I've been to wrestling meets. Cover gets just as loud for all of them. It's no, it's, yeah. it's no different. Like I would see all these tweets from these people like, Oh wow, this is definitely the loudest I ever heard Carver. No, it's not. Like, no, it's really not. First of all, it sounds the same when people are all screaming 15,000 sold out. It sounds the same whether you're at a wrestling meet or a women's basketball game. You have no you have no idea what's different. Like, I, yeah. when we started against Iowa State this year, when we got out like 13-0 or whatever, or 22-2, to that was pretty freaking loud. And yeah. then you go to Caitlin's game winner against Indiana, pretty loud. Peyton's game winner against Michigan State, pretty loud. Wrestling me oh. at home against whoever. Pretty loud. I, I, I went. I went. I went. No. I went. No. The Peyton one. I went. No. The Caitlin one because I was gone that one weekend. <laughs> you weren't there. You weren't there. <laughs> well, I was making like, jokes of the white, so I'm like, I don't even know if they're gonna let me back in the building at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have come back, honestly. <laughs> I'm putting our end of the year last three games on you. It's your fault. That's messed up. But seriously, though, like none of that, like. All of those, like it's not, it has no. Those aren't digs on Carver. That like, yeah, digs on Carver are coming from like the fact that we can be better and we can create a cooler road environment, like something that looks like an arena, something that it doesn't look like a freaking you know old like. It's kind of like old and gray when you walk in, like and there's nobody. Like it's just like the brown seats. What what even color is it? Like, this, <laughs> like it's just nothing attractive about the place. And then you go to every other Big Ten arena. Like, they're Carver's, it's either 13 and we, we say, like, on the team and among the league, it's 13 out of 14. We, we put it above Penn State because Penn State is massive and they, they have the worst fan base in the league. And yeah. it's like, or uh, Minnesota too. Like, Minnesota's crowd this year was embarrassing, but they were also awful. And like, when they're good, they come. And also, Williams Arena. It's old, but at least it's unique. That's my problem with Carver. Yeah. Like, it's not unique. Like, at least create something like unique about it, which it's not. So I can tell you for a hundred percent certainty that I was not going to use this video as a promotion to recruits. Uh... <laughs> Carver, Iowa that is is great, but Carver in itself needs a it needs a tune up. We'll say that it needs. I agree. No. But that doesn't mean just because we're saying that that doesn't mean it can't get loud and that doesn't mean it can't exactly. be like a great environment, which it is. Like it, it can still have great games and and it'd be freaking loud as hell all season and for next year for whatever event is there, it's gonna be loud. I'm just saying you cannot argue if you go to any other atmosphere, the other places are cooler, like and better. It just that's just the way that's a fact. Yeah. I've been in here for a while. I've been in here for six years. Every other arena is better, except for maybe Penn State, because they have a horrible fan base. And talk about a hockey arena. I think that is a hockey arena. I think, I think it is too. I, yeah. I don't know that. I think it is though. Yeah. Like we have to run like we have to run a hundred yards just to get to the locker room. You know, that so that so maybe maybe Penn State you put behind but behind Carver. But other than that, sure. it's not particularly close. And I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm really not. I'm just being honest. No, again, I think the, the reality is it won't change unless like former players like yourself and people who are, you know, that have a say in it kind of push for it. So I think it's good that the opinion's out there from your perspective. <laughs> Seriously, like it, 
because the media has been saying it for a long time. I feel like the fans have their end of year surveys, like they've been saying it too. Um, but I, I got a couple more here, but again, I'm really happy we hit on that, but I need you to put something else to bed. So I don't know if you remember this and somebody brought it up, which is why I'm bringing it back up. Kayvon Merriweather roasted the hell out of me on Twitter months ago. Okay? Did he really? <laughs> I, I put, I was on a flight and I'm like, I have this five, one, five, two lady in front of me on the plane. She puts her seat all the way back. I'm like, I'm six foot five, dude. Like, I hate you. And Kayvon quoted me. Oh, my God. (laughs) Come on now. I want you to put it to bed. Now everybody's giving you a hop on it. But Kayvon quoted me and goes, and you can look at my Twitter. His last two tweets for a three-month span were both about my height. And he just left that up on his page. He deleted Twitter. But he goes, 6'5", when did you hit a growth spurt? I haven't been gone that long. And I'm just like, dude. Are you as tall as me? I'm pretty close to you. I think you're like maybe a half inch, maybe a half inch taller than me. But you got to realize too, like I don't stand up straight all the time though either. I mean, you've okay, seen well, me in I'm, interviews. Like, I'm I don't like do six, that. four and a half. Okay. I'm like six, I'm six, I'm six, five, basically six, six with shoes on. So, so take I mean, what you will. Okay. Well, here's the thing. So great. This is going to be a new topic again. I was hoping you'd, uh, you'd have my back and put that to rest. But when I see you in Iowa City, I'm getting a picture with you. We're going to go side by side, and I'm going to end this debate finally. Okay. Because right. it's been <sighs> – I'm ready. Damn it, Connor. You, you, had, you had a shot just to <sighs> I got to take Kayvon's side for now. For now. Well, it was funny. So Kayvon came back for Pro Day, and I interviewed him. And he won't say this. He said he was going to tweet and apologize to me, but hasn't done it yet. So I might need to bug him about it. But I got one-on-one with him. And right as I'm asking him a question, he comes and stands by me and tries to measure himself up to me. And I'm just like, dude, like, I'm two and a half, three inches taller than you at least. Yeah. Like, Kayvon's short. Uh, short. He's not short, but he's not tall by any means. Yeah, exactly. He's not Anyway, but no, it's fine. So I guess to, to, to wrap this up, because again, I have a thousand questions I could keep going, but this is a good question. What would your pitch to recruits be? So, I mean, we talked about Carver, but like what what was your what would your pitch, whether it be a transfer, whether it be a high school recruit, what would your pitch be to go to Iowa at this point? At this point, I would say look at look at our consistency for one and look at the type of players and the type of style that we play. Like you have consistent, like all Big Ten selections, all American selections. Like you look at, and and look, not everybody's going to be Luke, and not everybody's going to be Keegan, not everybody's going to be Chris. But before that, you had Whitey, you had Ju, you had Pete, you had Devin Marble, you had Matt. Like we find ways to make, like you you find a player, you you look at a player and say okay his strength is this this and this and his weakness is this this and this well we're gonna really go to your strengths and make sure that you're successful and we have like some great offensive minds here that will figure out how to maximize everybody's talent and that's just that's just a like that's just a fact like you i mean say what you want about our system and our player like dudes are going to be successful and score here in our system and so you're going to get seen. We're going to be good. We're going to beat teams that maybe on paper we shouldn't beat. Like how many games did we win this year where not a single player on our team was offered by the school that we beat? 
or recruited yeah. by the school that we beat. Like, so technically that shouldn't happen. I don't think, I think if we recruited, I, I know for a fact, look at even like IU, we recruited at least probably half their rotation guys and not one of them came here, obviously. And even more of them probably didn't even, wouldn't even give us a sniff. And we beat, I mean, we beat them twice. So like yeah. there's something there that like just the, as consistent as we've been, the way, like the type of player you are, like we're going to cater to your needs. If you play like Keegan, you play like Luca, you, you're a wing, like we got action for you to come off staggers. We got act like you show clips about Wheezy and you show clips about Chris. You want post up stuff. You show clips like Luca, TC, um, and Keegan, right? You got guard stuff. You show them marble. Like you can, you have so much space on the break, like to go down and, and attack. So, I think that there's a lot of different things that are attractive about us, the way we play, style, the you know the free flowing, the confidence. Like, you know, I really don't remember many times people being told it's a bad shot, and that is not the case in college. Um, yeah, you're gonna have a lot of controlling coaches, and we we really don't have that. Like, you can pretty much shoot, you can shoot, pass, dribble whenever you want, and that's just the way that it, that's the way that it is. It's a fun, it's a fun style. And then uh, to really wrap this up, and this is more of a personal question. I know a lot of people won't maybe not like this question, but I'm always intrigued to hear from former players. I asked Luca this when he left. I've asked a lot of people, but from, from a media perspective, from me, how, how can the media do a better job at whether it be covering you guys or just in sports in general? Because I, I texted you, I can't remember what we were talking about, but I was texting some people and I just said, there's a lot in the media who write about sports that don't know sports. And mm -hmm. I was not specifically talking about aiming on the Iowa beat or anything like that at all, but that the more I've kind of evolved in this uh, industry, the more I'm, that's kind of my belief about yeah. it. But just from being you being a former player and soon to be, you know, whether it be GA assistant coach or a sport, whatever, I I'm curious what your perception about that is. No, I think that's a I think that's a great point. And I think but I think there's a difference. Like there's some media members who like don't know and clearly don't know, but like think they know and are arrogant about it. And that is where the, the issues come in. But like I have no problem, like, hey man, like I don't understand this. Like why what is up with this? Why is this? You know, I this is something I noticed. These are the numbers. Explain why that is. Like those are things, I mean, obviously, like, if you're asking, like, right after a game and, like, people are pissed about it, you're going to want to check your tone, whatever else. But yeah. if you just hit me with something, like, straight up, like, now, like, you're you're wondering about something or you have questions or you understand or don't understand, I mean, you can always ask. Like, I have nothing, like, you know, that that's something that I think is maybe, you know, the timing of certain questions. You'll get different answers based on what you <laughs> ask them. And I don't think it's a bad thing. Like, I'm, I mean, if I was a media member, you guys have to cover a lot of different stuff. I'm not going to, like, you have to cover football, basketball. Like, I mean, I don't know all of your, all of your beat sports that you cover. But, like, if I was a basketball reporter, I would know what I'm talking about. But you're not only going to cover basketball. Like, my uncle, my uncle covers the Flyers, the Phillies, yeah. the Sixers, and the Eagles. I wouldn't know, like, if I'm watching the football game, I don't know the ins and the outs of everything. I wouldn't know the, the first thing about hockey, I could write about it, 
and I could come up with stuff, but I'm going to have to ask questions. And there's, I don't think that's a negative, but what I'm not going to do is act arrogant and act like a, like I know it all. And I'm going to be, you know, because I said it, it's true because that's where you kind of can turn off some players and some coaches when, and I'm not saying any of you do that or you do that or no, any yeah, that. for I'm, sure. I'm saying in general, like that is, that is maybe where you run into some issues. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say, this is a long answer to your question, but just no. It's I like ask. I appreciate it. Yeah, so if that helps at all, just ask. No, it it does though too. It's like, I mean, because I've had people like kind of get after me and some other people about, well, why didn't you ask this? I'm like, it's because the game ended ten minutes ago, and exactly. they're going to be pissed about it. And I think back to like, remember when Yale upset Baylor when Baylor was like a top three seed. Bro, perfect tournament. example. Perfect. You already know what I'm about to say. Yes. How does Yale out rebound Baylor by ten? And the and guy he said it like twice. a dick too. He yeah, said it he like did. a dick. He did, and I'm like, well, why don't you ask like friend directly about the defense and how you give up that? I'm like, because I will literally get murdered. Like I murdered by him, and like you won't get an answer. <laughs> and that's get the, the thing answer you want at that point. Uh, it's you know. it's phrasing, it's timing, and it's tone. And what I've always said is, I hate to use Ted Lasso as an example, but be curious, not judgmental. Yes. And it's like, that's the way you have to operate just through certain things. Because there's still, there has to be a professional boundary with it. I mean, I, I know questions I've wanted to ask after a game, but I'm not going to do it because it's certain at certain times because there's still that professional relationship and you don't want to derail that long-term professional relationship by you not being i want to say uh it's like you being condescending or arrogant toward a player or coach you don't want to ruin that professional relationship long term by trying to get a gotcha question if that makes sense yeah no 100 percent, exactly because there's a couple things that can happen that'll turn turn a player off to i mean trust me there's guys that i don't like just because of like one or two moments and there's guys that like you go to J, you go back to J Bo. Like he certainly doesn't like my dad. Like guys, he doesn't like for one to two moments. And I mean, maybe one to two is a reach, but you get the point. And you're one hundred percent. I mean, because there's things you have the right to ask, and there's things you should ask as a media member. It's your job to ask. But that being said, there's no point asking if you're not going to get the answer that you want at the time when you ask. And if we lose the game because of a certain thing that you want to ask about, obviously you know maybe don't hit on it right away. <laughs> like, cause we I know mean, it, you know yeah. it, we all know it. So give it a second and then come back to it. And then ask in a way that is not just going to piss us off at the jump because nobody, <laughs> no. takes oh, you're right. You're right. Harder. Nobody takes the losses harder than us. You know what I mean? It's like the yeah. fans can be mad. Like, Oh, why'd you do this? Oh, why'd you do like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? Like you act like I'm, <laughs> You know, actually, that was our game plan was to let him get 30. Like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it so much. And, you know, here's the other problem. I meant to bring this up earlier about, like, your dad, for example. Like, you talk about the common misconception. Look, Frey and I have had tense moments in press conferences. That that comes with the territory. I mean, I've had tense moments with Kirk, too. Like, it's it's my job. Exactly. But, like, I've always said your dad as a, like, off the record is, like, one of the funniest good dudes i've come across in the business and like after my dad passed the cancer like i had a really good like 20 minute off the record conversation in my last media day like mm-hmm. this past media day and he was super super good about it and i'm like that's the person a friend is versus like you see him yell at refs right 
Yeah. So exactly. Exactly. For example, but dude, I, I appreciate you taking all this time. I, I really feel like we could keep going forever. I know you said you have a tea time at, at, at two. Yeah. Uh, I need to see if uh, I need to get some lunch. I'm hungry. Yeah, but dude, I, I really appreciate it. Keep me in the loop on everything. And uh, I'm excited to see if you're going to go to the NBA that uh, it's not a bad gig. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm leaning. So I'll, I'll keep you guys updated. I've got a couple of people with questions out to me on that. So we'll see how that goes. All right. So David Eichel, Connor McCaffrey, again, big thank you to him. HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 sports. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.